This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh, welcome back. It's uh, Saturday, 25 November in the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, one of the points I want to make for the, the, the conclusion of the speech about pro- providential and providential times, you know, I said in there, um, 44 years ago, right now, we were, you know, my my Navy destroyer, which I was a uh, an officer on, I think a Lieutenant JG at the time, I don't think I made Lieutenant, um, was uh, we were heading towards the Persian Gulf in the North Arabian Sea, having been redirected uh, out of Pearl to, um, to for, for the hostage crisis. And think about how long we've been involved in the Middle East, right? My my brother was involved with the uh, as a Navy pilot. He was a helicopter pilot. Was involved in the entire Gaddafi situation. I've had nephews that have deployed, and and one who was a uh, first class petty officer in the Navy. I think did four or five deployments, all to the Middle East. Mo. Uh, was in Iraq uh, with the 101st after she got out of West Point. Uh, so I don't know for 40 years the Bannons and we were all hey, we were not, we were you know junior officers or senior enlisted in the military, just people doing their their service. But we look at the pro- Trump and being providential, and honestly being providential for you because you're you're being called back now as Trump was called back like Cincinnati to save his country. Uh, you're being called too to save the country. That's why the assaults on you all the time. That's where you're being called fascist all the time. That's where you're being called dangerous all the time. Um, and uh, and it, it only you can put an end to that. We put an end to that by electoral victory and then doing the hard work afterwards. The hard work afterwards, starting in January 2025, after you know from now until election day, just a brutally tough election of making sure the narrative's out there, making sure the message is out there, making sure we get out the vote, that everybody's registered to get the vote, then stopping the steal so they can't steal it again. And you already get the inclination, because remember, they only won it by, I don't know, 50,000 votes in a couple of states, just like we had won it before, kind of just the reverse. And, of course, the made-up 81 million. There's no way he got 81 million. Trump's 74 was absolutely a blowaway number, uh, is to secure that. And then after you secure it, then begins the hard part. That's what I was trying to, in the speech to tell people, hey, if you want to save your country, this is going to be a struggle because this thing right now is spinning out of control. I don't need to tell you that. You see that in your own life. But for those of you that are not Sunshine Patriots and, not, um, and, and, and are dedicated to your task and purpose of saving your country, as hard a work as we have for the next year to win and to close on the win, to win and both close in the win, then the real work starts afterwards. And that's why Trump is providential. We've had some providential times recently. 16, it was totally providential. I was there. I was an eyewitness of that. We had a man. We had a plane. We had these great ideas. We had enthusiasm of the people. We didn't have any money. 
who didn't really have a big organization. That was a self-organizing effort to elect Trump, and that saved the country and stopped the Clintons. If the Clintons had gotten there and been able to take over the Supreme Court, it was game, set, match, particularly their knowledge of the administrative state. That was providential. I also happen to think that the steel was providential, and that divine providence wanted to show us how close we were to losing everything. And I think we've had a bigger awakening, a bigger, we have a bigger army of the awakened because of that steel. And now people are, 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 are awakened to it. Trump's return is providential. Most people, 99% of the people just say, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to go and live in retirement and have a great life and just do it. You know, enjoy my children, my grandchildren, my lovely wife, my money, you know, Mar-a-Lago, the golf courses, what the greatest life in the world. And people would, you know, come back. They, they would get off his back. What did he do? He came back. 700 years in prison to uh, liquidate your company. To have now fights all over the country about not just trying to throw the electors, which is totally legal, to have these alternative electors, to put them in jail. You know, some uh, near the age of over retirement, and people in their 70s put them in jail for 20 years up in Michigan and other places are uncovered this, but also to take him off the ballot. To make sure you don't even have the choice. There, there's so much for democracy to take your choice away. And all that takes money and resources, and particularly the opportunity cost to focus on it. But you should be honored to live in this time because this is the greatest crisis the American Republic has ever faced. Uh, We've never been invaded uh, by anywhere near 10 million illegal alien foreign invaders that have to be removed. We've never had a financial crisis anywhere near this. This is going to this is going to make the Great Depression look like a picnic because the balance sheet of the country is so far gone and the elites just continue to print money. That's one of the reasons we're so proud and honored to have Birch Gold uh, be our partner here and help sponsor the show. But more importantly, to get to everybody, the feedback we got from people is tremendous. To have access to people that actually walk you through the simple why gold's been a hedge against turbulent times for mankind for 5,000 years. That's why I go birchgold.com slash Bannon now. Just go get all the information. They'll sit there and, they'll sit there and help you explain it to them. Plus, we've done this series on currency. Now the end of the dollar empire. And if you don't believe it, the Saudis and the CCP just did the deal the other day. Only, it was $7 billion. The grand scheme of things is not huge, but it's a start. The Saudis taking the currency risk of not using petrodollars, taking currency risk by using Chinese currency to do a, a big trade with them. As the, as, the, as the Persians are already doing in a 40-year output deal. So it's incumbent upon you to understand this. Mo, give me your perspective. You you spent, uh, I'm, we're going to get into, I want to break this down. Uh, General Milley's, I've been wanting to do this. I've been wanting to do this. And finally, we're going to get a chance today to do it. Because Milley's a very important character in the Trump first term. And the one held up that, oh, Trump said he's to be executed. He's, Trump did not say that. He talked about trees and he talked about other. And I think Milley, between his book, his public pronouncements, and this CBS 60 Minutes interview, basically hoist himself in his own petard, as the saying goes. Mo, just give your assessment of, uh, of, of the military as, with Millie as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Give, just give me a minute or two of your, your, your thoughts. I know you, you have very strong opinions about this before we, start the, uh, before we start to break down the interview. Well, as we saw under Millie, you saw senior leaders, senior officers, junior officers, get out at a rapid pace. That's why recruitment numbers are so low, why they can't get, you know, 
younger generations in the military right now. And that has a lot to do with, I believe, General Milley. You know, the buck stops with, stops with him. He needs to take accountability for that. They're at record number lows for recruitment, and they can't seem to get anyone to, to join that they've now gotten rid of requirements for enlistment. You know, it, it shows the leadership within the military, and that is General Milley. How how woke was he? I mean, he get that during the uh, the George Floyd in the sub- June of 2020, he was, I mean, absolutely god awful. Um, what's your assessment of how woke he was and how that rolled down through the ranks? He was extremely woke. We saw him testify and and say that he was talking, wanted to know what white rage was. It shows that the wokeness that he had. And then, like you said, it rolled downhill. That's why you have pronoun training, CRT, gender theory going on at service academies, still going on at service academies, actually. And that training was implemented because of woke beliefs that started with leadership. And General Milley didn't do anything to stop that. It's only gotten worse. We need to focus on war fighting in the military, not gender theory, pronoun training, things of that nature. You know, especially with what we're seeing going on and the potential for World War III, we need to focus on war fighting. That's actually going to help our military, not pronoun training. Okay, let's play. Uh, well said, ma'am. Let's go ahead and play. We're going to break this down. Let's play the first part of this. Is the sixty minutes interview with General Milley? We're going to break it on down. Let's play a couple minutes now. General Mark Milley completed a four-year term as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the nation's highest-ranking military officer, on September thirtieth. He told us he spent most of his time working to avoid a direct conflict with Russia and China, while the country watched him have a very public falling out with former President Trump, the man who picked him for the job. General Milley's time serving President Joe Biden had its own challenges, including America's calamitous withdrawal from Afghanistan, as well as providing Ukraine with billions of dollars worth of American military equipment. A few hours before we sat down with the general at the Pentagon, he'd had his final phone call with the commander of Ukraine's armed forces. The story will continue in a moment. The counteroffensive that the Ukrainians are running is still ongoing. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. H- hang over a second. I want to, before I get into that's okay. That's okay. We're going to get this done. Um, in fact, I just want to rewind to go back to his, the start of his interview, but to tee it up. Um, Millie. Remember, as we go through this, Milley was the biggest proponent, more even more than General Austin, of pushing the Ukraine situation. Report the 117 billion, 120 billion dollars went. I think half, 45 or 50 billion dollars was military aid, weapons and ammo's that we don't really have. They took the ammo from the Israeli account to send over there. This was Milley, who's supposed to be the senior military advisor. To uh, the, this was what he pushed. Let's go ahead and play. Let's go ahead and just rewind. Start with his interview. Let's go ahead and hit it. That the Ukrainians are running is still ongoing. Um, the progress, as uh, many many people have noted, is slow, but it is steady, and they are making 
uh, progress on a day-to-day basis. But expelling 200,000 Russian soldiers, no easy task. Very hard, very hard. How long is this going to look like this? Um, A year, five years? Well, we can't put a time on it, but it'll be a considerable length of time, and it's going to be long and hard and very bloody. Russia occupies 41,000 square miles of Ukraine. The front line extends about the distance from Atlanta to Washington, D.C. In Congress this past week, Republicans ended Kevin McCarthy's speakership and, for now, more aid to Ukraine. According to the White House, of the $113 billion already committed, there's only enough left to last a few more months. With all of the issues facing Americans hang on, at hang home. On. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. I, I want to get to that after the break. Right there, slow but steady. He can't even be truthful. This is his exit interview to the American people. You would think he would be totally prepared and, and talk to the American people. This is unfiltered. There's no Pentagon comms people between this, not the White House is between this. And he sits right there. And slow but steady. And this is not what they were telling. This was not what they were telling their uh, consultants and advisors back in the spring and summer of was it 2021 when this war was in the first couple of hundred days. They were sitting there every day. You heard people going up there that, hey, uh, uh, the Ukrainian military can take the uh, can take uh, the eastern Russian speaking, the Donbass. They can take Crimea. They got all these expectations up of the Ukrainian people. This was Millie. Millie was a senior advisor, and he sits there. This was just a, a, a couple of weeks ago. After the spring offensive, they're now getting into the winter part. There was, there's not slow but steady. That's just an outright lie. There's no slow but steady. The thing ground to a halt. This is why Zelensky's having these huge mutinies. He's having a mutiny by his armed forces because the military over there is not going to, they don't want to be the fall guy. When all this gets exposed, they don't want to be the fall guy that, oh, we were pushing us. Zelensky and the thugocracy that are the beneficiaries of the $113 billion, and thank God that CBS actually put the right number up there, which Fox and nobody else does. Now, I think it's a tad higher. I round up to $120 billion, but $113 billion. That's what you've already put in. And Millie starts off. With this, an outright lie. It's not slow but steady. It was a failure. And the people paid for the failure. The American people underwrote it, but the Ukrainian people paid in blood. That's why there's over 70 or 80,000 casualties. Short commercial break. We're going to return with this interview and my analysis of it in defense of President Donald J. Trump. Next in the world. I know this is hard to believe, but we're up against another government shutdown later this month. And our wise leaders deal with it how they always do, with more spending. While lawmakers are high-fiving, your savings account continues to lose value. Because more spending weakens the dollar. Now end the cycle. Diversify into gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. And listen, when you open a gold IRA for every $10,000 you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Let me repeat that. For every 10000 you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Just text Bannon to 989898 to claim eligibility before Black Friday. Birch Gold can help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a gold IRA for no money out of pocket. And you still get the free gold bar. Don't let your savings become a victim 
of the further devaluation of the dollar. Remember, the BRICS countries are focused 100% on de-dollarization. Text Bannon to 989898. Receive a free gold information kit and claim your eligibility before Black Friday to receive free gold bars on your qualified purchase. Do it today. Action, action, action. There's only enough left to last a few more months. With all of the issues facing Americans at home, Mm -hmm. why is this worth it? If Ukraine loses and Putin wins, I think you would be certainly increasing, if not doubling, your defense budget in the years ahead, and you will increase the probability of a great power war in the next 10 to 15 years. I think it would be a very dangerous situation if if Putin's allowed to win. Ukraine-Russia, obviously, is what drives this uh, meeting today. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs... Stop, stop. Okay, stop means stop. I know I'm going to jump in here. Um... That's just a bald-faced lie. That's a bald-faced lie. First off, the, the Russian military, I think it was shown as anything, is not going to be able to take on the Poles. Remember, the whole thing of Russia is coming across the North German plain. It's not coming through Ukraine to hit, uh, to hit Eastern Europe. Highly unlikely. And the front nine nations there, Hungary and others, I think it was uh, Slovenia or Slovakia, want to, want to cut off weapons. They want any more of this war. But the whole thing is to come across the North German plain through Poland. I don't believe the Russian military has shown us that that's going to happen. And I don't think the Russian military or Putin or the Russian people have shown that they have any inclination to be offensive uh, in anywhere in, against NATO or in Europe. Ukraine's a different deal. We said that's always been in dispute until the EU and NATO started pushing people's buttons. And no, I'm not taking Putin's side on this at all. Putin and the thugs that run the KGB have always been a criminal class. They were criminal class during the Soviet Union. But he sits there. Look at the fear mongering. If you don't, you, the American people, if you don't fork up another 60, 80 billion dollars that we have to borrow from the Chinese. Or even now they won't lend it to us. So we just have to print it. You're going to double this. The defense budget is 880 billion dollars. You're telling me that in a few years we're going to have a one point six trillion dollar budget because of this. You're a liar. We're already in a great power war. The Chinese Communist Party has declared a people's war against us. Unrestricted warfare, they've been at us forever, right, for the last five or ten years. Unrestricted warfare. Now let's get into the kinetic part. Huge story the other day in in the messenger that talks about the Chinese are going after to crush the Muslims in China as they underwrite the Persians, the Turks, and now with with this currency deal starting with the Gulf monarchies the chinese communist party is at war with us now a kinetic war with us now you know fueling a global jihad against the west and the russian-speaking eastern border of ukraine is not in the vital national security interest of the united states he above anybody should know that he's the chief military advisor to first president trump and then to biden and he sits there if you lose in ukraine if you lose in ukraine you're going to double the defense budget that's just a bald face. First off, it's idiotic. And he's not that dumb. He went to Princeton. So he's not a complete moron. It's just a lie. And this is what they've done from the beginning. And he, he is going to be held accountable for this. This is what they're all over Trump. How can you say the streets? Because we're going to get into it. He does it on his own interview in, this, uh, in the book that Esper wrote. So let's continue on here for a minute. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs is the Commander-in-Chief's principal military advisor, but commands no troops in battle. 
I am obligated, uh, regardless of consequences, to give my advice uh, to the president. But no president is obligated to follow that advice. This past August, General Milley invited us aboard the USS Constitution in Boston Harbor, not far from where he grew up. We're the only uh, military in the world that swears an oath not to a king, a queen, a tyrant, a would-be tyrant, or a dictator. We swear an oath to an idea, the idea that is American, it's, and it's embodied in that document, the Constitution, which sets up our form of government. In 2021, General Milley had counseled President Biden to keep 2,500 troops in and around Kabul. Instead, Mr. Biden ordered a complete withdrawal to end America's longest war after 20 years. The disaster that followed will be part of both of their legacies. I go through uh, the entire uh, withdrawal from uh, Afghanistan, uh, chapter and verse, all the time. That was a a strategic failure for the United States. Uh, The enemy occupied the capital city of the country that you were supporting. So to me, uh, that hurts. It hurts a big way. But no matter what pain I feel or anyone else feels, uh, nothing comes even close to the pain of those that were killed. To those who served in Afghanistan for two decades, and lost family members and friends and wonder, was it worth it? Well, that's always the question, right? So 2,461 killed in action by the enemy in Afghanistan over 20 years. Was it worth it? Look, I can't answer that for other people. This is a tough business that we're in, this military business. It's unforgiving. The crucible of combat's unforgiving. Uh, People die. They lose their arms. They lose their legs. It's an incredibly difficult uh, life. But is it worth it? Look around you. Uh, ask yourself the question. Uh, For me, I've answered it many times over, and that's why I stay in uniform, and that's why I maintain my oath. Let me have it. Let me have it. Mo, I have to bring you in here. Having served over in Iraq, and your classmates, many of whom uh, have have given all in in the the PTSD, but particularly the wounded, to have the the senior military advisor to the commander-in-chief sitting there go, I don't know if it's worth it. I can't answer that. Well, if you can't answer it, who is supposed to answer it? I mean, and it's, it, folks, a 60 minutes interview where they're going up to the Constitution in Boston Harbor and they have a huge crew. They've set this up and cleared with the Pentagon. It's not like they called the guy and saw him in a taxi line and say, hey, we got a couple of questions for you. Millie, they, they negotiated this for weeks and weeks and weeks. Millie kind of knew maybe not the specific questions, but they told him the areas they want to go into. As a service member with so many veteran friends, how do you respond to that answer, ma'am? It's extremely frustrating to hear him say that the fact that he hemmed and hawed and couldn't say, yes, it was worth it. You know, the fact I don't know if it was worth it. Take a look around. It's extremely frustrating, especially to those that served in Afghanistan. While I served in Iraq, I had many friends serve in Afghanistan. I lost fellow classmates, friends that were killed in action. I have classmates and friends that were wounded in action over in Afghanistan. And to hear him say that, how do you think they feel? All these people that went over there, deployment after deployment after deployment, like you said, have PTSD, that have to live with that the rest of their lives. You point blank say, yes, it was worth it. We went there for a mission. Now, it's, that mission's called into question these days, but we went there for a mission. Yes, it was worth it. We went there for that mission. Four years of peace and pro- three years until the hit by the bioweapon of at least prosperity. And President Trump, I think, got us through as well as you could in the year 2020 when, you know, BLM and Antifa and everybody turned the summer love into a fiasco, driven a lot by 
Esper and Millie, which we're going to get to in a minute in this interview. But to have him sit there and talk about a strategic failure, just kind of, oh, by the way, yeah, it was a strategic failure. Dude, this was your job. We And and I was the point person for President Trump in uh, 17 on getting us out of Afghanistan. As I've said before, DOD, uh, and I hate to say this as much as I love the military and the Navy, the military, DOD, the National Security State will look you straight in the eye and they will lie to you. They will lie to you. When you actually ask about results, when you ask money spent, and people, you make a big deal about this $6 trillion, they can't do an audit, which is shocking. How can you not find trillions of dollars, not millions or tens of millions or billions or hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars they can't do an audit. You sit there and ask the most basic questions, the most basic questions about operation, about cost, about projections, about what's going to happen. It's either through gross incompetence or you, um, or you just get outright lies. They've had, they had so much time to plan for the Afghanistan withdrawal. Remember, they, we didn't get it done in 17. And the reason we didn't get it done in 17 is that they kind of pushed President Trump into a corner and lied to him. But it was also so we extended it you know, ever more. And they swore every year, oh, it's only going to be 5 or $10 billion. It was like 40 or $50 billion every year just into a rat hole just into a total rat hole, driven by the defense industry and the greed of the defense industry. And then other people associated in the Pentagon and, quite frankly, this vast national security apparatus that surrounds Washington, D.C. I mean, physically surrounds it. If you ever go take the road from uh, basically from D.C. out to Dulles Airport, that entire corridor going past Ruston, when you get past, uh, uh, you get past um, Tyson's Corner, you go all the way out. That's all the defense contractors out there. It's obviously it's a trillion dollar industry every year. It's just exploded, but they can't answer with a straight face. Oh yeah, it's a strategic. He doesn't even mention the thirteen brave Marines that that gave their lives. It's just it's not just unfeeling. It, there's this attitude that that doesn't matter. That just what matters is the continuation of these forever wars. The continuation of these forever wars. And it's this mentality. It, this interview gets a lot worse. But right there, when they asked the guys, the head guy, was it worth it? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Was it worth it? Hmm, let me think. Well, you know, everybody's got to answer that individual. No, we're not looking for their individual answers. We're looking for you as the representative of the military, the senior military advisor to the commander in chief. Was it worth it? Can you give me an official response? Can you say it? Not, I, you know. Obviously, he had never thought about it. That's not really an answer. That's just kind of kicking the can down the road and making up something as you go along. That's not actually sitting there for hours and thinking about this. Is it worth it? That's the questions we had in 17 where President Trump wanted to get at the time. And if President Trump had had a willing uh, military, which he realized afterwards has got its own agenda, the Pentagon has its own agenda, which he came quite clear about. And that's why towards the administration, you see a completely different relationship. And it's going to be even more radically different when President Trump returns in 2025. We're not going to go through this again. We're not going to do this again. Particularly, you've got to get people that are truthful, not just smart and tough, but also can tell the truth. Remember what Millie said right there. It's not an idea. You take an oath to the Constitution. And the Constitution has a chain of command that's quite structured. 
about this, about who the military, who the uniformed military refer to. We're going to get into that as we, uh, as we break down, I think, actually, the treason of uh, General Milley. We're going to get to that after a short break. Your host, Stephen K. Bam. Mo, I know you got to me during the break. Uh, there's a correction. Uh, g- give me, give me the on-air edit. It was eleven uh, Marines, one Navy corpsman, and one Army staff sergeant that were killed in that botched okay, withdrawal I, I, out of Afghanistan. How did that? How did that make you feel when you when you saw that and heard about it that day? It honestly broke my heart and was extremely frustrating to see. Like it angered me to no end because those three, those 13 service members and the 28 that were wounded in that bombing at Abbey Gate, that should have never happened. Those parents should never have received that knock on the door, letting them know that they lost their children. And the fact that when they were brought back to the United States and that this um, dignified transfer that happened at Dover Army or Dover Air Force base that Joe Biden looked at his watch the entire time each service member was brought off in that transfer case. That is absolutely disgusting for a commander in chief to do. And the fact that Mark Milley has not taken any accountability for that botched withdrawal is also absolutely disgusting. One of the things we're trying to build here on the uh, in the war room is help entrepreneurs build the alternative economy. Make sure you go to Public Square. They've got the name now. It's not Public SQ. It's PublicSquare.com. Go check it out. If you're an entrepreneur, you can list your, your goods. If you're someone that signs up and you want to start, stop giving your money to people that hate you and start uh, buying products and taking on services uh, for people who support your values, it's the place to go. PublicSquare.com. You heard yesterday from Seaford the efforts they're making to build this kind of this alternative patriot economy. So make sure you go check it out today. Of course, MyPillow.com. Promo code WARROOM. You get all these amazing specials and no charge for shipping. Make sure you call 800-873-1062. If you can't go online, talk to one of the operators. Also tell them that we got their back. Okay, let's continue on uh, with the Mark Milley. I'll break in here and we'll give some more analysis. His commitment to that oath would be both tested and questioned by Donald Trump. While their relationship began with kind words. Uh, Mark Milley, he's a great gentleman, he's a great patriot, he's a great soldier. After the January 6th insurrection, the two men would not speak again. What do we want? Their public estrangement started in the spring of 2020 when protests for racial justice, some violent, spread across the country, including to Washington, D.C. Perhaps more than any other chairman in the role you have become ensnarled in politics and arguably threats to the Constitution. What have you learned from that? Well, I think it's important to to keep your North Star, which is the Constitution. We, the military, uh, are not only apolitical, we are nonpartisan. You can't pick sides. June 1st, 2020. Was that a turning point for you as chairman? I think it was, yeah. I realized that I stepped into a political minefield and I shouldn't have. 
He's talking about the day when President Trump threatened to invoke the Insurrection Act and deploy the U.S. Army to put down the unrest on America's streets. On the evening of June 1st, after demonstrators near the White House were removed by force, Chairman Milley, dressed in battle fatigues, joined President Trump and members of his cabinet in a march across Lafayette Square to St. John's Church, where Mr. Trump posed for photographs. Ten days later, General Milley apologized in a speech to graduates of the National Defense University. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. As a commissioned uniformed officer, it was a mistake that I've learned from. It's rare for a chairman to apologize publicly. Well, you know, I grew up here in Boston. Uh, I'm Irish, Catholic, and my mother and father taught me that when you make a mistake, you admit it, you go to confession, you say 10 Hail Marys and an Our Father. Everybody makes mistakes, and, and the key is uh, how you deal with a mistake. After you apologized, former President Trump said you choked like a dog. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on anything the former president has said or not said. General Milley did tell us he was so disillusioned with the former president's actions, he nearly resigned. Instead, according to former Defense Secretary Mark Esper, he and the general made a pact to protect the military from becoming politicized or misused. It's also been reported that you spent several days, several drafts of resignation letters. I was very struck by the one that was published, in which you said to the president, it is my deeply held belief that you are ruining the international order, causing significant damage to our country overseas that was fought so hard by the greatest generation in 1945. That generation has fought against fascism, has fought against Nazism, has fought against extremism. It's now obvious to me that you don't understand that world order. You don't think Donald Trump understood what World War II was fought over? I don't know what uh, President, former President Trump uh, understood about World War II or, 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 or anything else. Uh, I, I can tell you that from 1914 to 1945, 150 million people or thereabouts were slaughtered in the conduct of Great Power War. And in 1945, the United States took the initiative and drafted up a set of rules that govern the world to this day. Those rules are under stress internationally. President Putin is a direct frontal assault on those rules. Uh, China is trying to revise those rules to their own benefit. But that's one thing to say that China is threatening that world order and Russia is threatening that world order. To say that the commander in chief, Donald Trump, was ruining the international order and causing significant damage. What did you see that caused you to write that? I, th- I would say that- It's gotta be more than walking into Lafayette Square in uniform. There was a wide variety of initiatives that were ongoing. One of them, of course, was withdrawing troops out of NATO. Those were initiatives that placed at risk um, you know, I think America's role in the world. Now, that is uh, the opposite of uh, what my parents and, and uh, 18 million others wore the uniform for World War II to defeat. General Milley doesn't just revere the greatest generation. He was... Stop, stop, stop. That is the single most damning interview, uh, uh, I think, that I've ever heard. We get down to the heart of it. It's not about Donald Trump. It's not about the Constitution. It has nothing to do with the Constitution. The Constitution is very clear. 
The president of the United States is the commander in chief of the armed forces. Full stop. If you're a senior military, uh, if you're a, a uniformed leader, and you because you take you can't live with that, then you must resign. You can't make your own deal up that you and Esper. Remember, what happened is that they got crushed by the media that afternoon. They went back. And Esper talks about this. And he and Milley made a pact. The Secretary of Defense and the, and the Chairman of the Treasury made a pact to thwart Trump, to thwart the commander in chief. Did they go ever over to talk to Trump and to lay this out, the issues they had? Did they ever go over and actually have a conversation? Hey, we don't actually, upon further review, the Insurrection Act, the stuff, the, the, the riots are going on. We got to have a, a talk about posse comitatus. We have to have a talk about our thing. Did they ever? know? Read Esper's book. I've read every line of it many times. They never went back, and Millie never went back, and Millie's never said he went back. They never went back to the commander in chief of the armed forces and had that conversation. Ever. And then I think we're going to get into it, you know, after uh, January 6th, he was making phone calls, unauthorized phone calls to the Chinese Communist Party, the PLA leader. To basically say, uh, imply Trump's a madman, nothing is going to happen. The military is basically doing a coup. If the commander chief orders something, we're not going to do it. You've got to be advised of that. Mm-hmm. But in there, right there, the heart of it, the heart of the problem is the post-war international rules-based order. It's a fetish to these people. It is above the Constitution, is above the American Republic, is above the citizens and the sovereignty of a citizen of the United States and this nation. The post-war international rules-based order, set up by the globalists, run by the globalists, of which the Chinese Communist Party, they've used that to basically become a backwards agricultural backwater into a major industrial power based upon American capital and American technology. Right there, he lays out the whole thing. That even the interviewer for CBS is so shocked that he said it. He said, what? You've got a problem with Trump. What is it? Well, Trump did many things, you know, didn't believe in this post-war international rules-based order and did things. And she goes, look, I understand if Russia or China are doing things, obviously they got their own ideas about the world order. But what did Trump do? Oh, well, you know, he wanted to talk. Yes, and NATO, because NATO is not an ally. It's a protectorate. It's a protectorate. You damned yourself with your own words right there, Millie. You damned yourself with your own words, and you are going to be held accountable. Right there shows you his treason. Right there shows you his plotting. President Trump came in, and we had a meeting in the tank, I think in the spring of 2017, that I helped arrange with others, with General Mattis, because we had to have a a vetting of this central issue. So this wasn't hidden, but to Millie. President Trump said that post-war international rules-based order of which America, you know, you have trade deals and capital markets from Western Europe to the Gulf Emirates around the Middle East to around the South China Sea and up to Northwest Europe around Korea and Japan. Those four big nodes. We have commercial relationships. We have trade deals. We have cultural, obviously, interaction. And you have an American security guarantee. Those days are over. That order, they've been able to game the system to strip America of her vital manufacturing strength. 
and that these areas of the world are not allies, they're protectorates, and we're not an empire. We're not looking for the Europe to be a protectorate when the people in Davos and the people in Brussels are living high in the hog and all the Europeans have full medical care and pensions and six weeks off in the summer that American workers don't have. You're grinding yourself to death with no pension and no, and, and, and no health care and, and, and no time off two weeks if you're lucky. No, the fetish right there. Oh, the post-war international rules-based order, and he didn't agree with the, he's the commander-in-chief and elected by the American people, and this is one of the central issues. This wasn't hidden, and we had a five- or six-hour meeting in the Pentagon in the historic tank where they, this, uh, this meeting room where they essentially ran World War II out of. We wanted the historic nature of it, and they made a presentation. In fact, the opening statement in that meeting was, was Mattis said, the post-war international rules-based order is the greatest gift of the greatest generation. Bull. Bull. Wrong. And we were quite blunt to tell them they were wrong and what we were going to do, starting with getting out of Afghanistan. And Millie and these guys plotted from the beginning to thwart Trump, to thwart Trump, to thwart Trump as the commander in chief. If you have a problem with his idea about what should come after and changes made, so we're not an empire. We don't have all these protectors, particularly Europe, that can pay for their own defense. Then you should have stood up and said something to Trump. Did you ever have a discussion about that? Did you ever tender a resignation then instead of plotting the entire time you were there? And then stabbing the American people in the back and stabbing Trump in the back? No, Millie, you're going to be brought to justice on this. We cannot. It is impossible for us to let this go. He must be held accountable. He was entrusted as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the senior military advisor to the commander in chief of this nation. And he failed in every aspect. He's a devious, devious, cunning, bad guy. Short commercial break. We're going to turn in a moment. And you are over Cause we're taking down the CCP Spread the word all through Hong Kong We will fight till they're all gone We rejoice when there's no more Let's take down the CCP That is uh, the opposite of uh, what my parents and, and uh, 18 million others wore the uniform for World War II to defeat. General Milley doesn't just revere the greatest generation. He was raised by it. His father was a Navy medic who served in the Pacific Campaign, including at the Battle of Iwo Jima. His mother joined the Naval Reserve to work as a nurse. Well, this was and still remains a very patriotic neighborhood. After the war, they settled in Winchester, a small town north of Boston. Almost every single uh, male and female uh, parent that was here they're all World War II veterans of one kind or another. The uh, whole block, really, a lot of people. Everybody. Yeah, 100%. And interesting, no officers. Uh, these were all 100% enlisted, and, uh, and they had their own opinions of officers, too. And, Including uh, your parents, uh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. During high school, he was recruited to play ice hockey at Princeton University and decided to join the Reserve Officers Training Corps, or ROTC. After graduating in 1980, he went on to become a paratrooper and serve in special forces. 
He did one combat tour in Iraq and three in Afghanistan. Raise your right hand. This past May, he returned to Princeton to commission the graduating ROTC class. Congratulations to every one of you. And took a particular interest All right, cadets. in a few of the young officers whose language skills are currently in high demand. I speak Chinese, sir. Chinese is really, really important to us. Anybody else speak Chinese? Whoa. One, two, three, four, five. If you speak Chinese, if you don't mind, I'd like to get your names uh, and we'll see where life takes you guys. We, the United States, need to take the challenge, the military challenge of China extraordinarily seriously. How concerned are you that military to military communications are not happening right now with China? Yeah, I think we need to get that established. Uh, we had them for a period of time and then they've dropped off. So channels of communication are important in order to de-escalate in time of crisis. General Milley says he held a total of five calls with his Chinese military counterparts during the Trump and Biden administrations. But it was his last two calls during the final months of the Trump presidency that got the attention of the press, Congress, and the former president himself. Why did you think it was so important to call your Chinese military counterpart in the aftermath of the January 6th attacks? That's an example of de-escalation. So there was clear indications uh, that the Chinese were very concerned about what they were observing here in the United States. Uh, did so you see important. some movement of Chinese military equipment? I won't go over anything classified. Um, so I won't discuss exactly what we saw or didn't see or what we heard or didn't hear. Uh, I will just say that uh, there was clear indications that the Chinese are very concerned. President Trump recently said that your dealings with China were so egregious that in times gone by, the punishment would have been death. That's right, he said that. But for the record, was there anything inappropriate or treasonous about the calls you made to China? Absolutely not. Zero. None. And not only that, they were authorized and they are coordinated. Uh, Congress knows that. We've answered these questions uh, several different times in writing. Were you giving the Chinese information about thinking of the president of the United Okay. What um, there was authorized? Well, the commander in chief didn't authorize it. We're going to have plenty of time to do that because... Uh, we're going to hold him accountable. We don't know the form yet of how charges are going to be filed, but this guy is not going to get away with this. It was treasonous. You specifically talked to the Chinese Communist Party, the PLA, about your mindset and the mindset of the American military in that, in that trying time, and you did not run that by the commander-in-chief, who you swore an oath of office to protect the Constitution. He's the commander-in-chief. If you had a problem, you should have resigned right then. You didn't. You're cunning, you're sneaky, you're a liar, and you're treasonous, and you will be held accountable. Mo, we got about a minute. Uh, your thoughts on General Milley before we punch out. Well, I found this quote by John Wooden. The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. And clearly, like you just said, he didn't get authorization for these calls to his Chinese counterpart from the commander in chief. So that just shows the type of person General Milley really is. The fact that he is treasonous, he needs to be held accountable, like you said, not only for this, but for that botched withdrawal and for what has happened to the military under under his um, command. Uh, unbelievable, I agree. Uh, Mo, what's your social media? How do people follow you? I wanna give them all the information about, uh, you know, from downloading Getter to, 
the Bill Blaster to the to uh, downloading the podcast for free to getting on the email list and get all the additional analysis we put up, uh, all the newsletters we put out. Where do people go to get you? So you can find me at on Getter and Twitter at Maureen underscore Bannon. Also on Instagram at Real Maureen Bannon. If you go to warroom.org, you can sign up for the newsletter and you can also get the link over to the Apple store to download Bill Blaster. Um, and then also do not forget for AmFest, go to AmFest.com, promo code warroom. But you can see me on all my social medias. I'm coming in hot constantly. <laughs> And Grace, too. Grace, make sure you go check out Grace Chung, particularly on Twitter. She's also up on Getter. Grace coming in hot all the time. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank birchgold.com uh, slash Bannon. Go there today to get all the free information we put on the end of the dollar empire. Also, talk to Philip Patrick and the team about uh, why gold has been a hedge for 5,000 years and what it can do into your financial life. You have to make those decisions. Go check it out. Also, Eric Prince has spent this is, oh, this is a beautiful phone. Eric Prince has spent three years of his life building unplug.com. This is an amazing phone. Uh, if you think you've got some issues with what you've heard today, either my speech in Pinehurst or General Milley's uh, brutal and self-revealing interview in 60 minutes, uh, make sure you go to unplug.com. Don't ever let the government or the Chinese Communist Party or anybody ever have the opportunity to listen to you again or to get into your data. And don't let Google and Apple and these companies now that are going to control artificial intelligence, uh, don't let them do it either. Don't let them get there. So make sure you go to Unplugged.com. Immerse yourself in the information that uh, that has been out there uh, put out by this new product, this new amazing phone by uh, by Eric Prince and team, Unplugged.com. Okay. Uh, today was great. I really want to thank Denver for helping do this to break it all down. Uh, we're going to be back. Cyber Monday is on Monday. We're going to explosive show all next week. Congress is back all weekend. I'll be up talking about uh, different things that we have to have Speaker Johnson do coming out of the block. Uh, the uh, next couple of weeks leading up to Christmas are going to be amazingly intense on Capitol Hill as we prepare for, quite frankly, I think a definite government shutdown on the 19th of January in 2024. What a way to start the uh, what a way to start the year. We're also going to kick off our coverage of the election in January of Taiwan, where we go up against the Chinese Communist Party. So much going on. I'll be up all weekend. Mo, thank you so much. Thank you, Denver. Thank you, production team here. We'll see you back here Monday morning when you'll be back in the war room, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you then. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. 
That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.